Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Thanks for listening to Creative Control. Uh, while I have you here, please consider supporting Youth Empowerment and Support Services, otherwise known as YES. Based in Edmonton, Alberta, YES provides immediate and low barrier overnight and day shelter, temporary supportive housing, and individualized wraparound supports for young people aged 15 to 24. They work collaboratively within a network of care focused on the prevention of youth homelessness by providing youth with the necessary supports to stabilize their housing, improve their well-being, build life skills, connect with community, and avoid re-entry into homelessness. Learn more about how to donate or otherwise support YES by visiting YESS.org. This is Dmitry Samarov from Chicago, Illinois. And I love listening to Vishkana's Creative Control because whether he's talking to a favorite musician or actor of mine or someone I've never heard of, it's as if he's introducing me to a new friend. And the way things are going, couldn't you use a new friend? Listen now. To make your flexible monthly donation to Creative Control, please visit patreon.com slash creative control today. Twinkle, twinkle, little star. Tried to run, but I didn't get far. Can't turn no more cherry red. Send me off to bed. John Spencer is a wondrous musician, songwriter, singer, producer, and performer based in New York State. Beloved for his pioneering and influential work in the band's Pussy Galore and the John Spencer Blues Explosion, Spencer has also been a driving force in Boss Hog and Heavy Trash, and has collaborated with everyone from Beck and Beastie Boys to R.L. Burnside and Chuck D., among many, many others. After the Blues Explosion finished touring behind their final album, Freedom Tower, No Wave Dance Party 2015, Spencer took some time off before putting a band together for his debut solo album, 2018's Spencer Sings the Hits. On April 1st, 2022, In the Red Records releases his latest blast of outspoken, noise-infused punk. The record is called Spencer Gets It Lit, 
and it's credited to John Spencer and the Hitmakers, whose current live incarnation features Janet Weiss and Sam Coombs from Quasi and Bob Burt from Pussy Galore. Ahead of the record's release and extensive touring, John returned to this show to discuss the Hitmakers and the making of Spencer Gets It Lit, collaborating with Sam Coombs and reuniting with Bob Burt to engage with the clanging and banging they once made together in Pussy Galore, why the John Spencer Blues Explosion has definitively broken up, remembering the late Dallas Good of the Sadies and the strange sessions he oversaw to make Andre Williams' Night and Day, making records at Electrical Audio and the Key Club Studio, loving and also encountering James Brown, What's Next?, for Spencer and the Hitmakers, other future plans, and much more. A part of the Entertainment One Network with the support of listeners like you who follow and subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash Control, with additional support from Blackbird Music, a wonderful record store with locations in Edmonton and Calgary, Alberta, and very friendly staff who will happily help you fill any of your orders including hard-to-find titles. You can learn more about them at blackbird.ca. Plus, in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario. This is episode 675 of Creative Control, featuring the lovely and talented John Spencer with your host, me, Vish Khanna. Hey, John, how's it going? Well, okay, Vish, how are you? I'm well, thanks for asking. Uh, first of all, where in the world are you? Uh, I'm, in, I'm in Kingston, New York. Kingston, New York? I don't... Where, whereabouts is Kingston? Is that like upstate or something? Yeah, it's about two, uh, 90 miles north of New York City. Ah, I see. How long have you been in Kingston, if I might ask? A little less than a year. Oh, it's a relatively recent move. Well, yes. that's that's interesting. What prompted that? How I think just um, a lot of different things. Um, it wasn't pandemic related. This was in the works before COVID. Uh, I, I guess it was uh, Christina and I. Christina is my wife. Uh, you know, we, our, our our son was all grown up, and and you know, we'd we'd, we'd been in New York City for a, a long time, more than thirty years. Yeah. And we it sort of seemed like it was time for a new adventure. Yeah. And you know, I think also we are. You know, we're we're older people, and the way in which we're using New York City and kind of relating to it, and the things we're doing, had changed. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's an expensive city. It's a bustling city. I just, uh, but I, I think of you as God knows you've mentioned New York City a few times on your records. So mm. <laughs> I think of you as a hardcore New Yorker. Are you adjusting well to being uh, sort of outside of the city? Yeah, I mean, I think COVID was was probably as 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 terrible as as it as it has been was was probably a good act as a good transition or or, or buffer. Yeah, the last couple of years or a year, yeah, year and a half, couple of years uh, that we spent in the city were very different due to the pandemic. Hmm. And you know, things are getting back to normal, but it's still not not totally there. Yeah, I mean, for sure, New York City is definitely still 
uh, looms very large in, in, in my head and, and, and lives in my heart. And, you know, for what it's worth, a lot of these songs on this new record, Spencer Gets It Lit, uh, a chunk of them were, were written in New York City. Yeah. Well, I, I will say you're not alone in feeling uh, the need to move from a pretty bustling and, and expensive city to a to one that's less so. Uh, I've talked to a few people who I associate with New York who uh, have moved elsewhere. I, I myself have moved from Ontario to Alberta uh, because of the real estate situation and the, mm. the job situation. And so, I mean, and I feel like some of this angst and tension or what, whatever you want to call it, I feel like it's reflective on this record, Spencer Gets It Lit in particular. And so I want to get into that. But before we do... yeah. I think it's also, I mean, if I may say, I mean, the, it's, those are all valid reasons and, and, and you know, points to, worth discussing. But, you know, I think the, the, you know, the world has changed a lot since when I first moved to, to New York City. Yeah. The need to, to be in a, a, you know, a centralized place with like-minded people. Uh, we can work anywhere, really. You know, anybody, the, you know, the access to, to voices and to information is, is kind of available anywhere you live. That's true. Although I will say, I was thinking of you, obviously, for this chat and uh, all of our interactions in the past as well. And uh, I don't think of you as like an extremely online guy. Are you <laughs> Are you enjoying this? Uh, I'm using the internet, internet right life. Now. <laughs> yeah, you're using it right now. Yeah. That's true. That's true. Do you? I'm not saying you're a Luddite, but I also can see you being like, eh, I want to get out into the world and play and tour. And, I mean, yeah, and I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an older person. Uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm, I. Uh, but I guess I am a bit old fashioned in certain things, but I definitely yeah. do use the internet and especially, you know, I'm, I, for better, or for worse, I manage the band and, you know, I manage, I manage all the bands. And, um, so yeah, I spend yeah. a lot of time on the internet, uh, doing, doing that, that busy work. Yeah. yeah. Now I, I, uh, what I'm frustrated by as we're speaking is that, uh, things are opening up, but that's, well, that part's fine. I don't. I'm personally not sure if it's the right time, but whatever. What are you going to do? Um, I think but, that's that's a very good question, and uh, you know, yeah, we could. The whole episode could be about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, my my point though is what I'm frustrated by, and I can hear it in your in the, on this record in terms of the lyrics. Uh, I'm a little frustrated by uh, various things, but uh, in particular, in the context of what we were just talking about, th- this sort of push for normalcy when normal wasn't that great. Uh, that's where I'm struggling. Like you mentioned, we can all work anywhere, but I'm starting to feel it now from the people who own real estate. Come back to the office. Come back to the wor- workplace. You know, let's be normal again. Yeah. Whereas a whole, a whole sub, you know, there's a whole culture of people who are like, I didn't really like normal. This sucks that, you know, some of us have lost people because of this in this pandemic, but yeah. I think we learned some great things about how we could function, but that's where I'm frustrated right now. I feel like we're just going to return to making millionaires rich. And I, I, I hope not. I, I hope yeah. not. It would be a real shame if, if, you know, there weren't, there weren't some lessons learned. And, and I, I don't think it is going to be totally the same. I think that there, I don't know, it's going to be a huge, ginormous paradigm shift, but I do yeah. think for a lot of people, it's, it's been a real eye opener. Yeah. It's weird uh, to hear about uh, big office, uh, complex projects you know breaking ground in in manhattan uh yeah. you know given that there's so much so much vacant office space but you know people are always going to be trying to make money and and definitely uh you know there's a there has historically been a lot of money to be made in in, in renting office space and owning those buildings yeah um you know i 
It's been a long time since I worked in an office. Um, my wife, she is a professional. She works in publishing. Hmm. And, uh, you know, so she has worked the entire time. But it's been okay. But there is uh, definitely something to be lost when you're not all on the same floor and you can't just get up and walk to another desk and, and speak to somebody in person, you know, or a group of people and hash something out. Yeah, um, fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. I I have to use like you and I are using a thing right now that everyone has been using uh, in the last couple of years to interact and um, in my in my office work we use a different thing but I actually kind of I don't mind it I, I people you're I my wife says the same thing you're saying by the way I, I miss just going over to talk to someone but I'm like yeah. well I can I don't get it because I can do that here uh, mm-hmm. but I, I I don't know is it too alien do you think does this feel weird that we're using this no it doesn't feel weird I just what I hear from Christina is that it just it, you can get into situations where uh, un, unnecessary problems arise because of the new kind of communication or oh, just see. that it takes a, it takes a bit longer yeah. to resolve something yeah fair enough fair enough all right well listen I, we're not going to resolve office politics today you and I John I don't think no, I don't I think don't we, think so. I don't think we can do that but I do want to uh, talk to you about this great record and uh, I, I guess I need to begin uh, with the hitmakers this uh, those of us who have followed your uh, your trajectory I know that you uh, uh, you play with different people from time to time who are the hitmakers how did this come to be uh, currently the well, not currently. Also, the, the people, the hitmakers for this record, Spencer gets it lit. It's Bob Burt, my old friend from Pussy Galore, and Bob uh, plays trash. He, he beat bangs on pieces of uh, scrap metal uh, from the junkyard. Mm-hmm. The st- straight drummer, trap drummer, this guy named M Sword, and this is uh, he was on the first record. Uh, Spencer sings the hits, yep. and once again, it's Sam Coombs uh, covering the, the bass uh, on the synthesizer. And um, Sam also sings. He sings a lot more on this record, yeah. Um, which I was really uh, psyched about <laughs> to, to be able to to do that, uh, get Sam to do that, ask him to do it. Then I'm very happy that he did do it. Yeah. Um, and Sam is from. Uh, he has a band called Quasi. Uh, he's played with Elliot Smith. He was in the band called Heat Miser. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's an, an old kind of punk rocker, indie rock guy like me. I love Quasi. I've seen them a couple of times. Uh, oh, they're just they're just wonderful, and uh, yeah. I'm such a big fan. And I'm really, really, really excited because Sword had to take a break from the Hitmakers. So uh, our drummer for the upcoming tour and for the foreseeable future is going to be Janet Weiss, yeah. who is same bandmate in Quasi. And Janet is um, people might know her from Sleater Kinney. Mm-hmm. She was the drummer for Sleater Kinney for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. So uh, when we start touring next month, uh, this tour that's coming up, and uh, and for all foreseeable tours in the future, yeah, it's going to be Janet on the trap drums, and also Quasi will be playing every show. Yeah, no, I saw this in the uh, announcement, and I'm very, uh, first of all, I'm envious because I'm no longer in Ontario, and I know you've got at least a Toronto show on the books in Canada, um, so I'm envious of that. Uh, where, where in Alberta are you? I'm in Edmonton now with okay. my, my wife's my wife's family's from Edmonton. Have you ever been to Edmonton? Yeah, I think I played there with Heavy Trash and the Sadies. Oh yeah, of course you would have. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. So uh Janet's been on this show. Uh I've seen Sleater Kinney a, a few times. Uh so I'm and I've seen Quasi and I've seen you. So I, I wanna see it all uh congeal. <laughs> yeah. But uh hopefully someday uh that'll happen uh as we contemplate things i want to go back to bob yeah for a minute because that's sure. in, in, that's intriguing for those of us who know pussy galore and right. your history with, with with bob when's the last time you collaborated with bob in any sort of fashion uh, before the hitmakers 
serious. Um, I mean, I, I think we, we, we've made played together in like in a benefit show. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, uh, I think like something for Planned Parenthood a couple years ago. But I mean, serious kind of thing was 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 that last uh, Pussy Galore record, the the history of the, the music of the rock, which was yeah. recorded in '89 or '90. Yeah, so it's been a long a long yeah. time. You guys have, have obviously remained connected as friends. Yeah, we're friends, and I've been a fan of uh, you know the, the the different bands that Bob's been playing with and watched him play and. With yeah. these various groups, people like the Chrome Cranks and Knoxville Girls, and now Lydia Lunch Retrovirus. Um, yeah. So I made the first record, Spencer Sings the Hits. Uh, I think that was recorded in 2017, came out in 2018. Mm-hmm. My memory serves. And that record was just a trio. It was me and uh, and Sam Coombs and Emma Sword. We met in Ben Harbor, Michigan, and yeah. made that record. And I played all the percussion stuff. I overdubbed all the banging and the clanging. And when it came time to hit the road, we wanted to, I wanted to, to, you know, turn it into a real thing and get out and play some shows. Uh, I asked, turned to Bob Burt and asked him if he would join us and uh, to, to, to do the blunt banging and, and the clanging. <laughs> so Bob has been part of the Hitmakers for since 2018. Let me ask you that. Okay, I see that. I appreciate that's great. I mean, that's that's excellent uh, for yeah. for various reasons. Why why the banging and the clanging? Why why do you think that's uh, an essential part of uh, this particular band? <laughs> just I still I, I I dig it. You know, <laughs> I don't. I mean, it's just I yeah. I mean, it's just it's just something. I guess it's it's just reveling in in noise and uh, yeah. I think when I made the first record, it was. You know, the blues explosion was over. I didn't have, didn't have a band. I wasn't really working with uh, Matt Verderay and Heavy Trash anymore. Boss Hog, we put out a record and toured, and you know, so we were kind of going into a uh, an, an inactive period. And so I very much missed having a band. Hmm. Uh, and the blues explosion kind of ended quite abruptly. And you know, so I was sort of realized I was just sort of kind of in mourning and, and pining, you know, to, to have for, for, for running a band and missing, you know, playing and, and, and especially playing live. So I thought, well, I'm just going to try to get something started. So I wrote, wrote an album's worth of songs and, yeah. and reached out to Sam and sword and, and, and arranged this recording session. And in my head, I guess the, the idea or the MO was to do something down and dirty a little bit more like old pussy galore, like when I started way back in the 85. And part of that was a lot of feedbacking guitars and, and trebly guitars. And part of that was the metal percussion. Huh. Uh, yeah, it was, there were other things, other nods to pussy galore in that first record. Yeah. Uh, we did, uh, did a lot of stuff with, uh, there are a lot of songs, about half the songs on that record are recorded with a slacked tuning on, on the guitar. And that is a, uh, a nod to, in the early days of Pussy Glore, we, none of us had a guitar tuner. And so the first couple Pussy Glore records or EPs, well, we just tuned to each other. So there's these really weird huh. slack tunings we're playing the songs. And so um, making the first record that that was, uh, you know, we we'd, every song we'd record the, the song straight as it was written. And then I would retune uh, to, I'd figured out I had these couple different pussy galore tunings. There was one really slack one and one kind of medium slack. And then we tried every song in both of those tunings. Sam would also, you know, would have to transpose what he was playing on the, on the synthesizer, uh, you know, to, to match 
my Slack tuning. We try it out. Sometimes it worked. Sometimes it would sound cool. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it didn't. You know, it was a kind of trial and error thing. Uh, Bill Skibby, the, the engineer and co-producer, would you know would, would say, "Yeah, that, that, maybe that medium one sounds good." <laughs> so then we'd we'd work on that. So I, I spoke. Yeah, it was the metal percussion was was part of a of a thing. You know, trying to you know, I guess I was reaching back to into an old bag of tricks and and I guess you could say embracing my 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 history a little bit yeah we get a little reflective i think as we get older and and start to uh, whether subconsciously or consciously sometimes we do end up revisiting our our past in some ways it sounds like that's occurred a little bit for you whether it doesn't sound like it was conscious it was just a, uh, the circumstances is that what you're saying no, I, I think it was no. It was really. It was. It was like I said, or I was trying to explain. It was. It was a, a, a plan in my head. Like I, oh, okay. I, I had the sound in my head for that for that first album. You know, the yeah. very thin guitars, layers of of, of trebled, uh, super trebly guitars, a lot of feedback, fuzz guitar, the synth bass, and yeah. uh, and the metal percussion. That, that was right. It was. You know, that, that stuff was in my head. I could uh, hear. It. It sounds amazing, and Thanks. I mean your work. Your work with Bill Skib is is it's really yielding some fantastic work. Uh, he's a constant collaborator of yours, it seems these days. It's been I think the Spencer gets it lit is the fourth record I've made with him. I've, yeah. So I've done uh, did the blues blues explosion record Meat and Bone was recorded at Key Club. Uh, mm-hmm. The name of uh, Bill and Je- it's Bill Skibby and Jessica Ruffins. They they own and operate the Key Club recording company in Benton Harbor, Michigan. So I've done yeah. a track. Meat and Bone, the Blues Explosion album, uh, with them. Then we did the Boss Hog album, Brood X, and all uh, out there. Um, and now I've done two Hitmakers records with yeah. uh, the Club. I probably met Bill in '99 when uh, the, the Blues Explosion w- r- did the basic tracks for the Acme album at Electrical Audio, uh, which is Albini's studio in Chicago. Yeah. And at the time, Bill Skibby was working for Albini and. I think he was one of the one of the persons that helped build electrical, mm-hmm. and so the Blues Explosion went out to play New Year's at the Cavalry Metro in Chicago. We did two shows, I think, and then stayed on uh, for three or four days at Electrical, and and we recorded this big batch of songs we've been working on. And so Bill Skibby, he says he was around then, so I probably met him back then. Mm-hmm. But I don't remember that. But I do remember meeting him the first time I ever went to the Key Club, which was probably in 2005 or 2007. I'm not sure. Yeah, I was passing through there with I was on tour with Heavy Trash, and at the time the Heavy Trash band was the Sadies. Right, uh, Dallas. We had a couple of days off in Dallas. Both the Sadies and Heavy Trash, me and Matt and the Sadies. Uh, we all had a connection to Andre Williams. We all had worked with Andre mm-hmm. at one time or another. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Sadies had had backed up Andre. Andre had uh, toured with the Blues Explosion as a support act, and Matt Verre had 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 recorded and produced a rec for Andre, one of the ones for Norton Records, mm-hmm. the Norton label. Mm-hmm. So we all had this in common, and so those tours with the Sadies, pretty much the entire, all those tours running, the theme running throughout were. Uh, and um, people in, you know, from this, anyone who was just quoting Andre, it was constant in the van. <laughs> just these kind of uh, Andre isms, you know, everybody, so everybody had an Andre story. Everybody had like some strange turn of phrase, and it was just nonstop Andre. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so we were on tour, and we had a couple of days off in Dallas. It was Dallas's idea um, uh, to, uh, and this is very sad. No, it's not sad. 
but I mean, it's I'm just now thinking, feeling sad because we Dallas is is, is gone. Um, I think you know I, I think you know I know I knew Dallas rather well, and uh, I know yeah. it's been very hard. Uh, I've been checking in with some people uh, and some Sadies and and other band uh, Don Don Pyle and I'll, uh, Don Pyle from Shadowy Men on a Shadowy Planet and I have been texting rather constantly about stuff and we're all sharing photos and videos and it's I don't it's weird we're all just sort of doing it no one's really talked about it but I try to share I'm just going through my archives because I I've uh, been watching Dallas play music since I was a kid. Uh, in his band, the Satanatras, and then the Sadies, I got to see one of their earliest shows, and I didn't even know that was the case. So we're all just uh, compulsively uh, trying to keep them around, I think. I don't really... Yeah. This kind of morning is strange, because we knew each other, and we exchange messages all the time, but I feel sometimes like, are people my friends? Am I friends? Are we colleagues? What is it? I don't know. <laughs> but when yeah. we when we hang out, it's always great. You know how it is, I think, John. You, you travel, and you meet people, and you're friends, but you don't see them all the time, and you don't talk to them all the time until maybe you get to town, and you play a show, or whatever. So I'm, yeah. I wrestle with that feeling so remote, but... Um, all this to say, uh, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I, I can. No, I just wanted to okay. say I, I was going to ask you how you're doing with this, uh, you know, as best we can, and uh, uh, or you know whatever no, that's just, worth. And it sounds like it's just, it's got to you. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was. Um, it it. I'm. I don't. You know. It, uh, it's. It sometimes it sneaks up on me. Um, yeah, it was very. Uh, yes. Yeah, incredibly sad. It's though. the worst. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I, I'm curious uh, if you, who you've been in touch with and if you have any news, but maybe I should ask you that. I can talk to you about this. any news you might want to know after we're done, uh, I sure. suppose. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I'm okay. trying to... Uh, we're sharing things. It's very public, uh, public persons going, but I am trying to respect everyone's uh, privacy yeah. as much as I can at the same time. Uh, but we, uh, we are, as I wrote in something and as I've expressed to, to people, like... Um, it's interesting, John. Like I first fell in love with you and your music when I was a kid. Uh, I first saw the Blues Explosion and uh, at the Phoenix in Toronto in 1995, I want to say. And so I was all in on the Blues Explosion from that moment on. And there's no way I would have known at that point that at some point, you know, that the Sadies and you uh, with your work together and Heavy Trash and and other things, I, I wouldn't have known that you'd be connected in any way at that point. But then as I got to know Dallas. Dallas was this linchpin for so many of us. Like, I'm sure you feel connected to people because of Dallas. I think Dallas was a quiet, stoic, social convener. I mean, he was really funny and goofy and lively, but I yeah. it dawned on me as I was pondering the loss that, like, I know so many people and have had so many wild experiences in my life that are all basically connected to Dallas. So I'm feeling... And it's just one of those things you take for granted, I guess. Like just all the connections yeah. I've had. I told this story recently. Like I, I got on the phone with Jim Jarmusch about a year ago uh, about uh, some project I was working on. It was a Neil Young thing, and uh, so we thought we'd get a, a hold of Jim. And I got on the phone with him. I said, "Hey, Jim, I'm Vish. I'm from Canada." He's like, "Oh, I know who you are." <laughs> He's like, "You, <laughs> you're the you're the guy who interviewed the Sadies on your talk show." I'm like, "Yeah." I, I I was a little embarrassed about that. It was a bit, of, I thought, awkward, but I have heard that people thought it was very funny because they, you know, they weren't really playing. <laughs> and so some of the questions and some of my questions weren't great. I was having an off night. 
then I rewatched it because he said it was so fun and he, he said it was his favorite thing on YouTube. So I put it back up. I'm like, yeah, it's good. They're good. It, it was good. But um, th- my reputation with Jim Jarmusch of all people preceded me because of Dallas and the Sadies. So I'm that's just an example. Like, I just didn't even think of it, you know, like, oh, people know me and I know them because of the Sadies. Like, that's that's pretty remarkable, I would say. Anyway, sorry, didn't mean to go on there. I just, I'm sure you, I'm sure you no, have no, similar yeah. similar no, connections. Dallas was yeah. a he, yeah, he was. That is one. That was definitely one of the very nice things about him that he was so passionate uh, about uh, music and art, and that he really, yeah, you're right. He he really did, you know, kind of work tirelessly. Although I doubt he, I would doubt he considered it work. Uh, you know, to, to to put things together, to to you know, to, to come up with these connections and combinations of creative people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, how many times did I see Heavy Trash? And you guys came down to do the the live album with them as well. And mm. um, yeah. Anyway, I yeah, it's just endlessly hard. Sorry, you were going to tell the story about. By the way, I also okay. I, I also I also met Bill at Electrical Audio. That's where I met Bill. Oh. So that's what were you doing? That's there? just an. Uh, I was accompanying the band Fucked Up. We're recording at Electrical, oh, and yeah. Bill Bill was running this. those fucked up sessions. <laughs> I'm sure you did. Yeah. I'm sure you did. I'm sure you did. And uh, it was nice to meet him. Were you just there, hanging out, so. or were you there to, to, to do a story? We did some media stuff. We filmed a little doc on um, for. It ended up running. For, uh, was it for? Vi- no, it wasn't for Vice. It was for a, a company here in Canada at the time. And my friend, uh, my colleague Colin Medley, and I uh, filmed a little thing. And Steve and I did a relatively popular uh, segment about him making me a cup of Kopi Luwak coffee. I don't know if you've ever had that. It's uh, the rat poop coffee. Or the civet cat. The civet cats eat the oh, coffee beans. Yeah, I've heard about that from Bill. Yeah, he wanted to make me a fancy uh, coffee. So yeah. we filmed that. And yeah, but yeah, ultimately it was just hanging out. I thought it would be fun. Um, so but you, we did end up... You've been there. You 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 know what the place is like then. You know what Benton Harbor's like. And Oh, no, no. Sorry. This was at Electrical. Oh, I, 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 have, I haven't been to the Key Club. No. Oh, um, oh, oh. Yeah. Okay. I know they did sessions there as well. They no. did basic tracks at Electrical. So that must have been a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah, like 2013, I want to say. Oh, maybe, wow. Or something okay. like that. All right. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So, uh, <laughs> I know it's an interesting place, but, well, again, so we're on tour with Heavy Trash in the 80s. We all have Andre Williams in common. I don't know. It was Dallas' idea, and, and he said about making this plan, because we, we had a couple of days off. We're somewhere near Benton Harbor. It's like, let's go to this uh, the Key Club. It's an amazing studio. Let's uh, Let's get Andre... Who was in Chicago at the time, and let's record some stuff. And uh, mm-hmm. so, uh, I don't know if Dallas had been working on this for a long time. Um, my memory of it is just that he started talking about it once we were on the road in the van on tour. So that's what we did. We camped out at the Key Club. You can stay there, and yeah. for at least two nights, I think we were there. I don't know, two or three nights, and spent a couple of days recording with Andre. Uh, but Andre was not, it was in terrible, terrible shape. He was very sick. He had flu or pneumonia or something. He'd just gotten out of jail recently. Oh, he, no. was just, hmm. uh, he was just in terrible shape. And there were, I, I don't, I guess the, the Sadie's had some songs or, I, you know, I think some things were just sort of off the cuff and, and put together, you know, in the studio. And Matt had a song or two or definitely contributed to stuff. And 
So there were a lot of, there was a, a, a lot of music got recorded, but it was very hard to get Andre to do anything. And nice. when he would do vocals, it was almost impossible to do them live with the band and overdubbing was very difficult. It was a bit of a train wreck. And uh, there were, there were, uh, Kelly Hogan was there, the, the, the singer. She, yeah. she tours with Nico. She works with Nico Case. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Sally Timms came as well. Um, From the uh, Mekons? I, I, what's that? From the Mekons? Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So, so just just uh, con- just contextualizing things for anyone listening. Sorry. sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so Sally and and and, yeah. and Kelly came in from Chicago, I think. Uh, I called up Danny Croa from uh, from Detroit. Dan, of course, is from uh, the Demolition Dollars and the Gories. And mm-hmm. Dan uh, with Mick Collins made that uh, the kind of one of the first, you know, Andre Williams return records. Uh, the, the amazing Silky album that was on In the Red. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, you know, there are a lot of really, a lot of people who loved Andre, a lot of really cool people and good musicians, but its sessions were not easy because Andre was sick. And yeah. it also didn't help the matters that there was a young couple there who were making a documentary about Andre. And I think the, the film came out, you might be able to find it on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And it just was, it was a bad scene. And the record finally came out. I think the title was Night and Day, and it's on Yeprock, the Yeprock label, I believe. And uh, it took it, it was didn't come out for you for till years later. And I think it was and really at Dallas pulled a rabbit out of the hat. You know, he spent a long time. My understanding is he spent a long time trying. You know, on subsequent dates, trying to get Andre to record some vocals and piecing together usable uh, vocal takes from from what what there but there's there's some really good stuff on that record but it's just it 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 was you know it was andre was in really bad shape it was it was bad yeah so anyway that's (laughs) that's where that's the first time i ever worked at the key club and i i fell in love with the place and so next time i was gonna make it up i said well i know a place to go yeah well like i say i i think it's been a fruitful collaboration all all the records you've made with bill uh, have sounded great this one included um I, I, you said something that I can't let pass because uh, I will tell you that I've been on a pretty wild uh, blues explosion kick of late. Just uh, I was missing some records. By kick, I mean I was missing a few records. Um, mm-hmm. So I thought I'd start collecting them uh, and then they're showing up and uh, the discography is almost uh, complete. But you said the band ended abruptly. Is that common knowledge? I did not hear of this. Is that is it is it done? done? I mean, we... Yeah, I, I, I were, uh, yeah, I thought people knew. Um, I, I might I have missed it. Make a big, didn't really want to make a big announcement about it, I guess, because in case something changed, you know, what's the point of saying never again? Yeah. Um, we the last record was uh, the uh, Freedom Tower, and that was 2015, I believe. Yeah, it was. And, yep. uh, we were yeah. we were touring after that and playing all over, touring around the world, and and then Judah Bauer got really sick. He's uh, developed a respiratory ailment, oh, no. and so it's very, very hard. You know, and it became impossible for him to to travel, and also to you know being in a venue, uh, uh, and you know just couldn't. Yeah, he, we had to stop. Oh God, I didn't know that. I'm so sorry to hear that. That's very sad for he's, me. He's okay. Yeah. He's all right. He's he's much better. He's he's fine. I just you know we had a we had a, a good long run. <laughs> Well, it's uh, one of the most fantastic bands I've ever seen, and I I can only imagine that uh, since the pandemic began, he must be a little bit on edge with the kind of ailment he has. Um, he, you're saying he's doing okay, though. 
Yeah, he's it, yes. Okay. Yeah, he's all right. So it's not yes. hard feelings or anything. It just it's a it's definitely a health. Okay. No, no, it okay. was it was it just yeah. One you know yeah somebody couldn't do it anymore. Yeah. So that was the end. Yeah. That's sorry. That's very sad for me uh, to hear because um, as you may recall, it was sad for me. Yeah, was, like I said, yeah. I was I was kind of in a de- depressed and in a funk for. A couple of years. Yeah. I don't know if you remember, but with the last time you did a swing through Ontario, or one of the last times, I would think, um, I saw you guys in uh, Hamilton and London, uh, and we did some interviews and stuff like that, and I was just so impressed. Yeah, I think we're sitting out in a parking lot or something, and somebody was grilling sausages. That's a, that's right, gone. in Hamilton. There was like a roller derby or some some roller derby people had organized some sort of benefit hot dog stand or something. And uh, Russell yeah. seemed particularly interested in the roller derby people, if I may say, uh, and, and getting some hot dogs. So uh, it's your show. So <laughs> how's Russell doing, by the way? He's doing okay, thanks. He lives in Indianapolis. Uh, he has a band with his wife, uh, and the band is called uh, Service. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, but but it's spelled like an it's like an acronym. I don't know what it stands for, but it's you know it's all caps with. With dots. Yeah. So, by the way, I should service. say. I should say. By the way, all of us were quite intrigued by the roller derby people. They were roller derby people in the middle of the night. It felt like <laughs> and yeah. selling hot dogs. So I wasn't trying to insinuate anything. I'm just saying he he was intrigued. Anyway, it's good. So he's doing well and he's playing in a band. That's yeah. Yeah. that's yeah, is cool. uh, Russell and Jill uh, have a band called Service, uh, and the uh, Jill uh, used to have a band called We Are Hex. Oh yeah, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So, sorry, and I don't mean to belabor this. I appreciate that the Blues Explosion is a really an immersive live band. Given uh, Judah's uh, condition, there could you potentially record, or would you not feel like that has a point to it? Given what you are, you know, I, yeah, I, 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 I suppose so. Uh, yeah. I don't know what the yeah. Yeah, maybe maybe one day. <laughs> I don't mean to put you on the spot. I will tell you. I think Judah Judah is a, is a Judah is such a wonderful musician. Yeah, he's such an amazing guitar player. I think he could excel as a studio musician. Um, I just don't think he, that's where his, he's he's just not interested. Yeah, fair. You know, I think he I think he'd be a great uh, session player. I think he'd be a great producer. I know that he's had people ask him, and <laughs> he's just. Yeah, it's Judas just not interested. I was really excited to get to have what happened in that in that London show that I was referring to. As I spoke to each of you individually uh, for the podcast, I ended up making and and also Cattle were at that show. I don't know if you remember that Cattle. Oh yeah. yeah. So I talked to a bunch of people, but I actually got to talk to um, Judah and Russell individually, which I'd never done in my life, uh-huh. and I really enjoyed speaking with Judah. I've long admired him. And uh, and all I was going to get at, though, is um, on this record, hearing Sam sing the way he sings, I couldn't help but think of Judah. Did, did you know where I'm coming from there? Just his attack, his sort of speak singing, some of the screaming. Yeah, that kind of laid, laid back and, and the high, lonesome voice. Yeah, I guess, yeah so yeah. I was like, oh, this feels blues explosion-y uh, in that regard. Um, but, I mean, from your perspective, beyond the people involved, I'm just curious, how would you characterize the distinction between the Hitmakers and the Blues Explosion. One of the huge things is that the Hitmakers are writing by myself. I, I write the songs, and yeah. then uh, the first album, I just would sh- I showed Sam and Sword every song. You know, what we just worked through them. 
the second with the get the second album to Spencer gets it lit. I shared demos with 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 Bob and Sam and Sword, so that was a difference there between the first and second album. But both albums are are writing everything by myself. With Blues Explosion, we always wrote together. Yeah, I think there's there may have been one or two early songs where I kind of brought them into the practice space, fully formed or almost completely formed. But the Blues Explosion was very much a collaborative effort, and and writing was something we did through, you know, through playing, mm. through action. Right. So, okay. So now, when Sam is singing, uh, and and sort of you you have this interplay where you're you're kind of riffing off each other the way again the way sometimes you and Judah would. Um, does, mm. does Sam write his parts there? Are you improvising? No, he. Oh, okay. he no, I. It was before making this record. I. I that was definitely in my head it was a plan of mine i really wanted to, to have sam singing and sam's vocals on a lot of songs in the two years since the first record and the touring we'd done sam you know on the albums tracks the songs when, when we played them live he would there were on a great deal of them he would pick up you know things where i like on the out in the studio version where i had double tracked my vocal or or, or laid down like a, a complimentary vocal or something so Sam would, had, was already doing that stuff on the first record tracks live. And one of my favorite things is when we began, as we played more and more shows, we began to work out more and more songs. And uh, so we played, uh, you know, we played a few of Sam's songs. So I, you know, that was a lot of, great for me <laughs> to have a little break in the set and, yeah. and probably great for the audience too. <laughs> um, so I, with this second record in, in, in thinking about it and dreaming about it, I really wanted to, to feature Sam on the mic, mm-hmm. but no, I, I wrote this, the, the parts for Sam. Okay. It became clear. And then in the studio where, you know, some songs were, there was a little bit of room, you know, as far as like, uh, you know, it's not, everything's not entirely finished and buttoned up as, as far as the composition yeah. and the lyrics and stuff. Uh, and Sam was also, you know, he was just there for a week. So, at a, you know, once we did all the basic tracks, then the priority was to get Sam to do any or any or any and all overdubs that he was going to do before he had to go back home to, to Oregon. Yeah. And because there are a lot of songs on this album where there's an interplay between the two vocals, we spent a lot of time where, uh, you know, we'd both be uh, recording our vocals uh, at the same time. Mm-hmm. And so in doing that, there were times where, you know, I'd, I'd egg Sam on and say like, yeah, just, you know, just try something out. And Sam would always kind of stop and say like, yeah, I'm, I'm not like that. I'm, I'm not, you know, so I, I, there's something I learned about Sam is, and it was great that he could say, yep, I'm not that kind of person that he's not an ad liver. I see. Okay. I, and I, I, I didn't think it was improvised in that regard, but there's, there's sometimes an off the cuff aspect. Having seen you perform live too. I mean, you add, it feels like you're not, you're not ad libbing per se, but sometimes, yeah, they're just sort of exclamation points. Uh, if, if you will, you know, uh, um, but, when I dial into the lyrics, uh, this record feels particularly of its time. I feel like you are talking to people and talking about things like education, uh, information, you know, um, biology. Have faith in biology. You know, some of us have been very, we've been, cow- myself included, kind of cowering in fear 
of the world during this pandemic. Uh, and also, we are encountering people whose worldviews are not based in science and math and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so this, uh, am I right to suggest this is uh, skewing towards social commentary from you in this regard? Yeah. So w- what is your take on your this isn't also we've also learned this isn't an american phenomenon we some of us tend to pile up on america as being you know whatever <laughs> but do you feel like this is a particularly american issue right now uh sadly uh, i think you're 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 right it's not it's not exclusive to the united states of america yeah but you know that's i am american and that this is where i live and and so i'm you know it's it's in my face yeah every, every day <laughs> Yeah, there are songs where I I can't like I I think of you as a you a great storyteller as much as you you're very like you're an entertaining guy and I like I like uh, you write really catchy songs you know how many oh. of us have just yelled the things you've said <laughs> to ourselves <laughs> you know I I actually stumbled upon a video of me and my son when he was still in his high chair and I just got on a riff someone I guess my wife filmed it I was just like you got the flavor and he was like you got the flavor like he he was just learning to talk so I was trying to give him basic stuff anyway you've said so many things that are in my head and and, in a lot of our heads so yeah I think of you as this uh, great songwriter and you're very expressive I was thinking about the song The Worst Facts which I feel like starts out as kind of a story about something you experienced maybe at CBGB's, and then it gets into what I was talking about earlier, the kind of like, you know, the misinformation that we're all uh, dealing with right now. What's going on in that song? Can you speak to the... Am I right? Is it sort of two things going on at the same time? It is two things, yeah. I, I had I, I, I had written two sets of lyrics for that song and then just figured... What the hell? Let's 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 do James Brown and do part one and part two and you know and and just let the brother rap. You know, I yeah. had a lot of stuff I wanted to say. Uh, so yeah, it starts off about it's kind of a starts off as a diss track, sort of. You know, talking yeah. about some terrible bands or and um, then it segues into um, a more pointed commentary about today's hellscape. Yeah, and then there's songs like Wormtown seem reflective of your childhood maybe or something i don't know if you're singing in the first person there or adopting a character but you for sure yeah I'm, I'm, yeah some of those lines a few of those lines are, are directly lifted from uh yeah from, from from my personal history so yeah that kind of speaks to our uh what i was saying earlier about maybe you feeling a bit more reflective these days uh i know you were saying you were very conscious about maybe returning to your noisier roots but even in singing about like i say if if, if i if what i'm hearing is true like just my mom made the best rhubarb pie. Like, that's just a sweet sentiment. And I don't know if that's coming from you personally. It sounds like it is. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, I don't know. <laughs> there are there are allusions on, like, get up and do it to pop culture and dances and an old-time kind of feel. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I, I feel like there's some reflection going on. Um, I am a huge James Brown fan, but I only got to see him once. The last time I saw the Blues Explosion, I could... And I'd seen the Blues Explosion many times before that, but something about those shows clicked. It was like a review. It reminded me of a James Brown show. Did you get to see him a lot? Uh, I know you're. I think you're a fan. Not a lot. A, f- a yeah. few times. Um, yeah, I, I, I saw a few times, but I think it was well. You know, yeah. the first time was in the early '80s, and and at that time I was I can't remember. Or I just wasn't aware enough to like like who was playing with him. You know, yeah. I don't know if I ever got to see him with 
any of the great uh, musicians that he had in his bands at yeah. various times. You know, yeah. it was already kind of late in the day there. But he's uh, he's resonated with you, and uh, and for I, sure, we even got to play. You know, and and even got to play with him. Oh wow! Big a big outdoor festival in Japan, and we were scheduled to headline over James Brown awesome. and got there we're like are you guys crazy like what the heck was james brown and um this was one probably the height of our, our popularity in japan and, and so it's a big outdoor festival and they said no no you got you know you're the headliners and um and so uh we're just like this is wrong it's, it's just so wrong but we're watching james brown's show from this from the wings and um he went way over time way way too long yeah. and uh i don't know if he was pissed off <laughs> the situation but um you know it's we 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 you know we we worshiped uh james yeah. brown so. did you get to interact with him at all uh i you know i stood in line to say hello yeah uh, okay. and so did get to, to say hello and shake his hand you know, there were a couple other things that happened at that on that day yeah. some very funny things but i don't think it's appropriate uh to to talk about fair enough yeah I, fair enough yeah i appreciate that well i love this record and i want to congratulate you uh, on it and i want to thank you for making more music and and, and speaking out a little bit here as well if people want to learn more about you and this record and the tour dates and all that stuff because there's a lot of stuff coming up uh where where would you like to send them on their on the telephones and the computers there john oh shoot um <laughs> It's, it's just the, one of the big difference from from having a band, you know, now compared to when I was like in the eighties. Yeah, I noticed it's you just you, time, you started so much time spent this, <laughs> with this like you know networking and social media and all this stuff. It's, it's just, frustrating. I know. I, I think you started. I believe I followed it. You started a new um, Twitter handle for this project, right? Or I don't know if it's new, but no, it's been going for it since. The oh, first sorry. Record, so. Yeah. They're on the Instagram for the, uh, it's called uh, John Spencer Hitmaker. Mm -hmm. If you go there, that's a good place to start because there is a link tree, which, <laughs> which puts you in touch with all sorts of stuff. I got one of those too. Okay, so we'll, I'll, I'll, I'll link to all this stuff for the podcast people. I just wanted to, oh, thank and you. it's on, uh, it's out on In the Red again, right? Or, uh, that is correct. Yeah. yeah, the great In the Red yeah. label from California. Awesome. All right. Well, listen, if we can go out on a song uh, from this record, could you please pick a song for us and tell us why you chose it? Oh, we'll play Junk Man. It's the first song on the record. And uh, yeah, it's a good. It's a good punk song. Got, got some real spirit in it. You are, uh, I didn't get a chance to ask about it because I forgot, but it's on my mind. You have some thoughts about our new, it seems like a different kind of fixation on the billionaire class. Uh, they're in the news all the time, these billionaires. Uh, I feel like some of them may show up in this song. Is that fair? Yes, it's fair. <laughs> and yeah. you, call, you call out some of them by name. Uh, you're a New Yorker. Uh, you were around uh, when Trump was more of a joke than a serious threat to all of humankind. Um, yeah. What do you have any take? What, why are we? What's with the billionaire uh, news cycle? I don't understand why we're talking. I, I don't about get this. it either. It's yeah. it's just you know I, I just the moral compass is just so off. It's it's I I don't understand it. Yeah. Well, again, I think I, I don't the, the worship of, of you know wealth and you know it's it's just. It's, I, I want to swear, but I know 
No, you you that. can. It's a podcast. You can do whatever you want. You can swear if you want. Oh, really? To. Yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. No, I I'm with you on it, and I think uh, as people, I I took some. I don't know if solace is the right word, but when I listened to your record and heard some of your thoughts about such things, I'm like, yeah, God damn it. <laughs> I'm glad someone's saying something about this. It's very frustrating to live in this time and have children and all that stuff. It's very weird. So I, I will say it gave me a little sense of release as I got through, as I, as you know, as I spend time with your record and listen to the song. Thank so, you. Yeah. Thanks. And I mean, some of these, th- you know, this, all these themes that were, are also there, some of them in the first record the first hit maker checker yeah you know, there's a lot of songs and that, that kind of grappling with authenticity yeah well let's let's go to this now this is an excellent and and, and actually the first song uh, uh on the new spencer gets it lit record by john spencer and the hit makers this is a uh, junk yes. man uh, john spencer always a pleasure to speak with you and an honor for me personally thank you so much for your time and uh, best luck in the future thank you Vish. yeah thanks man Leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.
Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It always means so much to me to have John Spencer on this show. He's been on this show, I think, three times, and we've had many other encounters and interviews and conversations in the past. So that just means a lot. What can I say? Thank you so much, John, for appearing on this, the 675th episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and is available wherever you get your podcasts. If you can't find an episode that you've heard about and you're looking for it on your favorite uh, podcast player, or if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my monthly newsletter, please visit my website, vishkana.com. You can also like Creative Control on Facebook. You can follow the show on Twitter, at vishcreative, or you can follow me directly on Twitter and on Instagram, at vishkana. Also, please consider visiting patreon.com slash Control to make a flexible monthly donation to keep this otherwise free podcast going. If you're listening to this on your favorite player, uh, you probably hopefully haven't paid anything for that, and I haven't been paid by them to make the show. But one way I can get paid directly uh, a little bit for my work here, Patreon. And $6 or more a month grants you access to exclusive content uh, from my archives and also uh, some bonus content from uh, current interviews. And it's flexible, by the way. You can start at 6, and if you're like, these bonus things aren't very good at all, I'm going to go down to $5 a month. That's fine. You can do whatever you want. It's flexible, and you can always change. You can go up, you can go down. And people do all sorts of things. So please uh, consider doing that at patreon.com slash Control. Oh, and if you're interested in receiving a Creative Control t-shirt, just message me on Patreon, and I'll get you one while supplies last. Thanks again to the fine Alberta record retailer, Blackbird Music, which you can learn more about and uh, order stuff from uh, their website there, blackbird.ca. also want to thank Pizza Trocadero, the bookshelf and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario for their in-kind support for this show. Thanks, as always, to my friend Jim Guthrie for letting me use some music of his on this uh, show here. And you can learn more about Jim at jimguthrie.org. And finally... Thank you for listening to this episode with John Spencer. Again, he's been on the show before, so if you like John, uh, dig through the archives and find those episodes and check out his new Hitmakers record. It's great. Spencer gets it lit. I really enjoy it. And if you like, subscribe to this podcast. Follow this podcast. Tell your friends about the show. Spread the word about the show if you enjoy what you heard today or if you uh, enjoy what you hear regularly. And otherwise, thank you. Thank you so much for listening. I will talk to you very soon. Bye for now.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.